Welcome to the Nerd Party. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Up we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space is sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm the Switching Places companion, Philip Gilfus. Where are you switching places to, you think? Well, darling, today's a very special episode. This is a Jessica-chosen topic and outline for the first <laughs> time ever in time and space. That's a true story, yes. I mean, often we either share or it's my idea, but this is the first Jessica-only one. Yes, yeah. I suppose so. This was this was my idea, yo. And then Philip made me write stuff, and I didn't know what to do with that, so I might not come up with ideas after this. <laughs> now, this week is the 20th anniversary for Big Finish Productions. Oh, happy anniversary, Big Finish. Yes, and I don't pretend to know all the history, but the reason I know is because Gallifrey One, which we'll be going to next year, posted a little thing about it because... Certainly Big Finish has been good to them with having the having the people from Big Finish and the various and sundry, you know, participants join Gallifrey One. I think they said it was the reason Paul McGann went to his first convention because of course Big Finish is how the eighth doctor has, you know, lived and breathed and, and just different stuff like that. So it was interesting. But anyway, well, as you said, it, they've been doing a lot of good and so Yes, yes, and we have enjoyed many of their audiobooks. And then I've been reading a book, uh, Doctor Who the Book of Hooniversal <laughs> Records, <laughs> the official timey-wimey edition. Now, I actually got this for free from a friend who does, I don't know his exact job, but it's kind of like book reviewing kind of in a way. And so he got this. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so he's actually, I know him from Star Trek World. I don't know if it's cool to send free books or not, so I won't name him. But anyway, but anyway, I know I him. I want that job. <laughs> so that was kind of, it's kind of a... Guinness Book of World Records, but for Doctor Who, it's very random, but in a cool way. You know, it'll be like, how, who's the oldest doctor, or what doctor traveled the farthest, or, you know, which lived the longest life, or which fell the farthest, you know, just stuff like that. So, yeah. Oh, random fun. oddities and tidbits, so... You know, if you're ever designing a Doctor Who pub quiz, I guess this would be a good source material. Yeah, I bet we could totally do a Doctor Who pub quiz. Well, who would come? Who do we know? Well, no, nobody. <laughs> <laughs> we should do it, you know, what's it, the Fayetteville Comic Con that yeah. was looking for... Oh, programming? Programming, yeah. So we could be like, hey, let's do it. And you could do a Star Trek pub quiz. And, yeah, and I noticed that one of the tidbits in the actual book is about a quiz in Australia where yes. Peter Capaldi, Stephen Moffat, and uh, what's his name, Mark Gaddis, if I remember his name correctly, were, were on a team and finished third. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. Bless. But I imagine they have a lot of information in their heads. Yeah. So constantly keeping things juggling. Well, I would think Peter would be more casual fan. I mean, I know he's he was a Doctor Who fan when he was younger. Yes, but as somebody who doesn't write. <laughs> yeah, but I think Stephen would have to be whether he wanted to be or not. You know, is of course I mean he is a big, big huge Doctor Who fan. So I mean, if you, the, obviously the, the question is how much do you know the classic stuff. Obviously, they've written all the news, so they should know it, at least far well. Yeah. But yeah, so that's funny. Fun. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, we should... I'm thinking of a new episode. Never mind, I don't <laughs> want to have to write anything else. <laughs> Could do a whole episode on quiz. Could. Could do. Anyway. So, companions. 
You are my personal favorite companion, my darling. In all of time and space. In all of time and space. See, we should yes. do that at the end, but because it's your episode, you want to do it in the beginning. Yeah, no, I'm shaking things up. <laughs> I'm, I'm draining the swamp, baby. Let's do this. So, companions are necessary in life, like you, my darling, and absolutely essential in Doctor Who. Over the course of more than 50 years, we've seen more than 50 companions. Some are damsels in need of rescue. Some are the doctor's conscience. Some are there just to make sure that their girlfriend slash wife doesn't run off with some weirdo space dude. But could any of them take the wheel, so to speak, of the TARDIS and run the show themselves? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Yes. So for starters, what constitutes a companion in your mind. When I was doing some research, people were like, I don't know how many companions there have been, because what do you, you know, do you count somebody who shows up, you know, like those two little kids that showed up when uh, Clara took them to the amusement park? Do they count as companions? Mm -hmm. Does the lieutenant count as a companion? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, like, do you have to be in more than one episode? And even then, you've got River Song, you've got Captain Jack. Are they companions? Right. I, I, well, I, I don't know if this is rhetorical or not. I think, it, I think, no, no. I, I, I think th- Captain Jack is at least a Ninth Doctor companion. Now you can argue past that, you know, whether he quote unquote grew beyond that. Now River, that's a hard one. Yeah, see? That's, I don't know. That's a hard one. Okay. Because it, well, it's almost, I think, like a status thing. I mean,. Companion, and this is very rudimentary, so I apologize. This is just me off the top of my head. He's lower status than the Doctor, which I think River is almost equal status to the Doctor. Yeah. And so, you know. And then companion statuses can, can grow as they grow their time in the TARDIS, but they're always below the Doctor and, you know, knowledge, what's going on and all that. But when River can fly the TARDIS better than he can and... Yes, knows and knows that it's not supposed to make that noise. And has a different <laughs> timeline and probably can know more than the Doctor does, at least about certain things, you know, because she's lived him and he hasn't, so. What about somebody like me, the girl who plays me? Right. Maisie Williams. Uh, yeah, because she wasn't in the TARDIS that much. She yeah. was just more of a encountering the Doctor. Yeah. So is it really a companion if it's just an encountering? Because she was really on her timeline. He just would appear occasionally yeah i don't know or just a recurring character like yeah madame vastra yeah yeah because would you call the 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 gang their companions yeah a little bit at least certainly right after he loses clara Mm -hmm. and i don't know because they were never they didn't travel with him in the tardis true i mean you know they may have stopped in it but you know also like that has to maybe be part of the companion like if you've never been in the tardis can you be a companion? Okay, so your rules are... Now, now, of course, now, I think when you look at the Tenth Doctor specials, I mean, then that rules out almost everyone he met who people could argue were companions. And I'm forgetting the names. Um, Astrid, was that her name? Um, Kylie Minogue. You know, oh, like, yes, yeah. Would you say she's a companion? Yeah, it's tough. I don't know. Because then, or, or they just sort of would be companions because they usually died in their specials. But, yeah, you know. yeah, and the girl from Big Brother and... and oh, yeah, uh... Yeah, because I, I was recently seeing an article. I don't know if it was from uh, the Time Ladies or whatever, whatever blog I was reading. But yeah, they were talking about Linda with a Y. I think that's who that is. Yes, yes. And anyway, they're talking about potential companions. It was somewhere, but anyway. So, has to travel with him on the TARDIS. I mean, that's me. People can disagree. Has to be in at least two episodes. I mean, I would argue, yeah. Okay. 
Because there was that, and I can't remember his name, there was that one guy that the Ninth Doctor had for like two episodes. They picked him up and then he like stole technology, future technology. Oh, yeah. I can't remember his name. Yeah, no, I know who you're talking about, though. Sort of a failed companion, but technically he would fit those criteria. So, yes, companion, then? Yeah. Okay. But a failed one. Because it's not often you get failed ones. No, but I guess you try something out and if it doesn't work. Yeah. I sort of wonder if they weren't doing that with me, mm-hmm. if if they were trying her out as a companion, and and then Game of Thrones took over or something like that. So, uh, <laughs> well, so I also yeah. think she was, and I forget my little uh, chaotic, neutral, and whatever good, and all. Oh that. yes, but she's yeah. definitely on the other side of the spectrum than most companions. Yes, in terms of chaotic and not. Yeah, good. good. Yeah, whether you want to call her evil or not, she's certainly not good she's neutral to bad you know yes yeah but i mean there have been so then what about um no no the one in romana? the Victoria, romana yes mm-hmm. in terms of status theoretically yeah comparable in status to river true there there she <laughs> i know it's funny when you talk about two regenerations there um or incarnations but they're younger Hand, hand quoting for the listeners, uh, than the doctor. So he's still sort of a, if not a teacher role, but, and I don't think he was a teacher role, but more of a mentor maybe. Okay. Well, I, I don't know. Because Romana 1 could hold her own. Um, and Romana 2 to a certain extent. I think Romana 2 was And to be fair, Romana 1 specifically was since... Actually, you know what, darling? I think we have a rule in this podcast. We call them the first Romana and the second Romana. Oh, okay. Because you said, why do we call them 1 and 2? We don't call it the Doctor One and Doctor Two. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I stand corrected, darling. Mm-hmm. So the first Romana mm-hmm. is specifically put there to to be a part of his search for these weird cube shaped things. And then and this is just a monkey wrench, but in the classic parlance, the term assistant sometimes get used get used more than companion. Okay. And is there a difference or is it just a difference with that? Or, yeah. yeah. Is Ricky Mickey a companion? I got. I think he got promoted. I don't think he was at first, but then, I think when you know, again, traveled in the TARDIS more than one episode because when he wasn't in the TARDIS, then now he was just sort of a you know person you met every other episode, but in his own timeline, right? And then yeah. I think when he when he came on board, much to Rose's chagrin, you know. But they had good times. Mm-hmm. They had good times. Okay, so we don't know what constitutes a companion. <laughs> I think to sum it up. Yes. Um, if that was TLDR, we we don't have any idea. We're just flying by the seat of our pants here. But we'd love to hear what you guys think about what makes a companion and what your rules are if in you, your if, mind. Is there a, uh, as the kids say, you have the unpopular opinion about someone who you say is a companion that people say isn't. Yes, yeah. Have you gotten into actual fisticuffs with people about whether or not someone's a companion. That's how, what I want to know. How sentient do they have to be? Is K9 a companion? Ooh. I mean, he's pretty sentient. Um, and certainly more useful than some of the <laughs> companions. Um, yeah, I don't know. They, so anyway. The, 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 these are the questions that Philip and I talk about when we're... Like handles. Home alone. Handles, the Cyberman head that the 11th Doctor had in his last episode. Was that his companion? Oh, yeah. Oh, like uh, Wilson, the yes, soccer exactly. ball. Yeah. yeah, good times. Technically, it was only one episode, so. 
maybe not, yeah. but fun. Okay. <laughs> we, we have not gotten any further in our <laughs> decision making. So let's move on to which companions, darling, do you think would make a good doctor? Who could have handled this? Now, I have a list. Do you have a list? I have a list in my head. Okay, so how about we do round robin? Okay. So I'll name one and maybe see if you disagree or agree. So okay. I have one, two, three, four, five games. Ooh. I'll go through all five. Yeah. Okay. Good, because I don't know if I have that many. Sure. Now, this is the way I thought about it, and I don't know if it was the same way you thought about it. I just thought about companions in and of themselves, but just make them a time lady or lord however your gender mm. terms are they're all women you know spoiler alert and so i didn't think of them like as the doctor but just you know they're a time lord like i don't know if they would be good doctor incarnations you know could you have done an offshoot where yeah. they're running time lords yeah. or his you know younger sister anyway so one i thought was bill mm. this is why i thought bill i don't know it seems unlikely but i was trying to think of all the new who she was the only one i chose of the new who companion, oh, interesting. Because okay. I think she's the one who has the most. I, and I still don't know the right words, so I'll just stumble through this. A different way of looking at things. She asks the question that other companions don't usually ask. You know, it's not. You know, I forget whether like she was. I don't think she ever said bigger on the inside. She said smaller on the outside. Yeah, didn't exactly. She, she yeah. always has a, a different way to twist it around and a different question to ask. That you're like, well, there. Oh, no one's actually. Asked that one before. Um, or this is a way, different way of seeing things. And I don't know if it's just the emphasis on her being one of the younger companions. Or, and the fact that it is, she, she, you know, she is, well, has her own diversity, right? <laughs> than maybe some other companions. But anyway, but in and of itself, I just think she has that way of looking at things sometimes. That's very different. Okay. And I think that's yep. what makes a good doctor, quote unquote, is coming at things from sort of the fourth dimension, you know, that, that people aren't seeing straight on. And so I think she's fun in that way. She's compassionate, of course. You know, she's she's up for anything. You know, yeah, she, she's, yeah. she's sort of a, oh, this might be, well, whatever, she, you know, and then goes for it. And so, you know, I think it'd be cool to have a lesbian doctor. So there you go. <laughs> okay. I can say that. She's incredibly independent mm-hmm. and sort of self-assured. I don't want to say quirky, because I think that's not this, what I'm saying, though she is that too. Mm. She has sort of, like, I almost, she almost has a sort of a throwback ace jacket. Yeah. Not quite as, it's very more subtle, but anyway, still. Yes. Yeah, she is a little bit of an ace throwback. I can, yeah, I can get behind that and just having the, the chutzpah, <laughs> if, if you will, uh, to borrow a word. Great British term. Yes. Yes. It is very British. Yeah. Um, (laughs) To make it happen. Okay. Fair enough. What's your choice? My choice, which I think is probably a little bit obvious, Clara. Okay. Particularly. Clara who? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Particularly because by the end of it, and I've said this many times, it felt like she was running the show anyway. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the reasons they had to separate mm-hmm. was that you know they kept driving each other um and of course she already has her own tardis <laughs> that's true i mean she is the doctor as of now with her own companion yeah well i don't know who's the companion that's that's another argument is it me and clara or clara and me yeah I but i think that uh that clara could definitely 
definitely make it happen. She's got no fear. I mean, what are her vulnerabilities? You know, because oh, the doctor has them too. Or the yes, and incredibly compassionate. That right. was where I was going with it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's got a lot of compassion, but a lot of courage. And a lot of, I mean, she's the impossible girl. She's already seen mm-hmm. in some form so much. And in some ways, of course, I'm thinking as I say this, because it's hard to remember all 50 plus companions in one sentence. One of the one of the companions with the most pain. You know, with the loss of, what's his face? Danny Pink. Da- Danny Pink. Um and so, yeah, I think, you know, she carries that with her. Mm. And so she's got a little bit of uh, of the doctor's yeah. weight. Not, not quite the time warp, Gra- but, uh, gravitas. but Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but the gravitas that could go along with making tough decisions. And she's seen death, in other words. Yes, yeah. Which, okay. I mean, almost everyone who travels with the doctor, I guess, does, but her, really. Very much so. And she was never really... I mean, even from the beginning, not really this damsel in distress kind of archetype. All right. So for my next one, I'm trying to pick one you're not going to choose. I mean, I don't know what your list is. So these are all classics that are left here. I don't know. I'll go with an unlikely one because it just just struck me. And I was like, you know what? Fine. Barbara. Oh, okay. So the first Doctor's companion. um, I actually forget her last name. But anyway, Barbara. And... uh, because she's the teacher, mm-hmm. you know, that, that helps, obviously. I mean, so is Ian, but, you know, screw him for the moment. Um, Bar- <laughs> Barbara, because uh, I think when we, for instance, you saw the, when we watched the Aztecs, mm-hmm. you know, she has that thing where she's not afraid to be in power. Like, I'll be a god. Yeah, let's do this thing. Let's <laughs> bring it on. Yeah. And, you know, and of course, she learns a lesson about, you know, playing with time. You know, much well, as the doctor does. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, because I was going to bring that up. She wants to make these huge changes in the timeline. But as you say, the doctor sometimes does too. Well, I, I remember, or I think of, and whether it's a good characterization or not, the Water of Mars, when you have the Time Lord Victorious, where the Tenth Doctor just says, screw it. I'm the last Time Lord. I'm making the rules. I'm saving everyone. I don't care what the history mm. books say. And then the woman kills herself because she wants to say it the history. And that's when he learns his lesson about screwing with time. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And so, but I, I think Barbara would have learned that lesson because I think she, she is, again, curious. She's capable. Um, even though she's, you know, sort of the you know, mid 20th century or late 20th century, you know, human, you know, who, you know, her and Ian are supposed to be bumbling throughout all these adventures not knowing everything, but I think she picks it up pretty fast. I think she becomes a, a veteran companion pretty fast, you know, because I, I can't remember off the top of my head how long Ian and Barbara were around, but I don't think super long. She's a, a little two. bit of a grave robber. Yes, that's true. She is known to, well, I, I think the doctor has picked up a few knickknacks in his time. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So, uh, so yeah, so I just a couple of pretty little trinkets from an Aztec tomb. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can almost see her, and it, maybe I'm just because playing into it, as a black and white uh, woman, doctor. doctor, you know, well, I, yeah, I mean, woman, because she's a woman, but anyway, just say a doctor or, or time lord or whatever, you know, because she probably would still dress the same, unfortunately, or I don't know, because <laughs> I don't know, 
you wouldn't want to go farther back in time because then you got dresses, Victorian dresses. Yeah, so and think, that wouldn't suit her. No, 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 no. Because I'm just trying to think the doctor's look has that little bit more gentleman look. So mm. I don't know, but I, I just like the plane. I don't. You probably have to do something a little bit eccentric just to make her look alien or you know not quite human. I don't know what you would do um, for '63 garb. I, I, yeah, but you know, I mean, she was very sort of 1960s professorial. Mm-hmm. You know, give her a pillbox hat and she could have been Jackie Onassis. Mm-hmm. You know, she wears the straight. Yeah. skirt to her knee and the little jacket over it and things like that and i think that that would work as quirky yeah sort of a playing to type i'm sure there's a character that i'm just not kind of prim and proper not like mary poppins almost but even because mary poppins that was her bigger dress but anyway mm. kind of this prim and proper it's almost like um the avengers the british avenger i'm just trying to think of the prim and proper i'm a peel but then she's like Secret agent, you know. And yeah. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, and they could have kind of been Barbara. So that's, that's, I, I pick up Aztec necklace and wear right. it like a boss. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's my Barbara. Okay. okay. All right. Um, I'm going to throw out one that's a little bit unconventional as well. All right, I'm sitting down. Yep, yep. I'm going with Rory. All right. Let me hear your... He's got all the quirkiness. Mm-hmm. All of the, I mean, he, a thousand years, a thousand, he's got that age on him, first of all. <laughs> um, he might actually be older than the doctor. You know, he's got that stick to itness. So, yeah, I, th- I think he would be adorably awkward as a doctor. I think his, his, what, there's a lot of, well, there's a few doctors who tried to play the storyline. You know, they're introduced one way and they grow. Twelfth Doctor would be a good example. Yes, yeah. I think he's very different from when he's first introduced to when we last see him. Mm-hmm. Hair length aside. Well, um, that, that's all of them. I think I assume it's in the contract. Exactly. Because um, I think Eleventh Doctor is, for the most part, the same. I mean, he's a little less floppy as he Perhaps the Doctor is a lot like Samson. Yeah. In that he can't cut his hair during it's the true. season or he loses his strength. His regeneration. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's, that's true. what I'm going with. It works on... Sorry, carry on. Yeah, but anyway, so I, I mean, I think, you know, it's sort of like when the the Sixth Doctor argument, oy, um, where, you know, oh, this character's going to change over time, and you'll see he'll be, you know, and then we just fire him instead. But anyway, but I think with Rory, that it would be the plan. Okay, he's going to be a little bumbly, not quite, looks like he knows what he's doing, kind of a doctor, or, you know, whatever we're saying, who doesn't always win, or, well, no, he has to win, but he doesn't always, you know, successfully, and then, but then you grow into this more confident and power, you know, and... Knows what he's doing and all this stuff. So, yeah, I see it. And that's his story arc already. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what happens. And then by the end of it, he's a vicar in <laughs> in a small British yes. coastal town. But well, this he could be the first family doctor because that's sort of his source of strength is his family. Oh, good point. His yes. wife and then baby. Oh, going, going back a little bit in time is Rory's dad. A companion, <laughs> a little reverse generation gap. I think that'd be yeah. very, very um, needed with uh, his father um, behind him leading his child or whatever. Yeah. Oh yes, Troy. yes. I know what you're talking yes, about. Anyway. Yes, and founding Rome. Yes, yes. yeah, Aeneas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like that. That'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I was pretty pleased with it. I don't, you know, obviously. We want the more feminist, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I think Rory would be a really interesting choice Mm -hmm. to be the next Doctor. A next Doctor. All right, you're up. I'm trying to figure out which one to pick. I'll I'll go with Ace. I mean, what more can you say? Ace, right? Ace. Ace. 
it's, it's a brill choice. Um, but but I, I think, again, she's almost, this is going to be funny, but I mean, I almost say it half serious. The war doctor. I mean, she is a yeah. warrior. And she, she is a rock and roll warrior. Yeah. And I think she may be more fun as a earlier doctor incarnation because she is young, mm. but powerful. Um, you know, like a second doctor, maybe. I mean, she's not that she's like the second doctor at all, but anyway, but I'm just saying in that sort of timeline, you know, where she would be a bit more warrior esque and then has to sort of, you know, remember the science and the compassion mm. and all that. But, but, but I think she is. I mean, I say that compassion. I mean, she has a big heart. She, she makes friends very easily, I think, in yeah, her episodes. Yeah. And because she's so young and open and kind of lonely, I think, probably. I think it's another. Dr. Element, she comes mm. from whatever broken home that's either she's chosen to run away or it's forced her to run away or whatever. Yeah. And so she's just like the doctor. She's without a family, um, running away from home. And even before she meets the doctor, she's on another planet. Yeah. Um, so she's clearly... Worldly yeah. Or galaxily. Worldsly. There you go. Let's worldsly. go with that. Yes. Uh, yeah. And handy with a flamethrower and, you know. Already has a cool costume. Already has a cool costume. She would have, saying, you know, talking about the War Doctor, obviously, John Hurt was phenomenal mm-hmm. as the War Doctor. Having somebody like Ace play the War Doctor would have been a really interesting twist. Like the youth. Mm hmm. The impetuousness that led to the decision, I think, would have been an interesting perspective on it. And then I know I don't know how to how you would do this because it's a Doctor Who doesn't do a lot of years of growth of for a character, you know, because we only get them for a couple of years at a time. But like to see the young Ace, like a young War Doctor, versus the John Hurt age, the old Ace. You know, what oh, has she learned? Yeah. The gravitas of the eight old older warrior. Yeah. You know, who's not, you know, I don't know. Because theoretically, the more you fight, the more you want peace. And so it'd be interesting what she learns as she goes through her travels, you know. Yes. Yeah. Watching that growth, it would be an interesting arc. As you say, it would, you know, be a short one because <laughs> you only get them for a few years. But uh, it would be really interesting to watch somebody with that much strength with that much impetus, impetuousness, see the consequences of things that happen. And we're going to talk a little bit about that idea when we jump into the TARDIS library, but it would be an interesting arc to watch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. What's your next pick? All right. And maybe the last pick. Okay. You feel like you've gotten out what you need to get out? No. Well, no. You're, you're, you're driving this TARDIS. I am driving this TARDIS. I'm just TARDIS. sitting in the chair. <laughs> Why do you have the chair so far from the console? <laughs> Going with a bit of an obvious choice, I think. Martha. Okay. Well, I don't think that's... I mean, I don't say this in a back, but I don't know if that's obvious, but go ahead. She, again, same sort of thing with more gravitas, but she's a warrior princess as well. She's well. already... Well, or at least she does literally become the doctor. That's true. Yeah, then she could be Doctor Doctor Who, <laughs> um, which you know is always a funny gag, if nothing else. Um, but you know, she goes out and and wanders the earth, wanders the earth for a year, yeah. and fights the with the resistance. And we see her over and over. I mean, she ends up with Unit, right? Mm, yeah. And um, properly fighting the the Torchwood too. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, I think that she would be really interesting. Very strong, very firm. I don't know about as compassionate, but again, that would be a good opportunity for her to learn some lessons and show an interesting arc if she starts off as the hard nose fight, 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 finding compassion. Because in some ways she mirrors a 10th, 11th Doctor story because she starts off, you know, as the medical student who's up for everything. Who's, you know, that's why she gets, you know, drafted as companion because she's quick to see what's going on and quick to help out and all that. But then she evolves from medical student, you know, the healer, the care to the warrior. And, you know, just like the 11th doctor, good man goes to war, you know, when river tells him what, you know, the way you're going, what, what do you think is going to happen? Why? Well, that's the, the word for them. Doctor is warrior. You know, that's why they're afraid of you. Um, and so, yeah. And so then watching it, if, if we pick her up at that moment, mm-hmm. then watching her have to find her compassion again, almost do it in reverse would be interesting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So what do you guys think? That's what we want to know. Yeah. Along with your rules for a companion, what companions do you think would make good doctors and why? Obviously, we've missed some because Philip still has two on his list. I won't go into details, but I'll name them. Okay. Sarah Jane. Oh, yeah, obviously. I thought yeah. that's what you were going to say when you said obviously. Oh, uh, right. And then you said Martha. And then I know it's not one you know well, but it's one I'm a huge fan of. Huge, huge fan. And that's Nyssa. That's Fifth Doctor. Yeah. Very brainy, um, but nevertheless. So. Yeah. I agree with Sarah Jane, and as far as Nyssa goes, I agree. I haven't seen very much of her. Mm. So <laughs> we'll go with that. So let us know. Where can they tweet us, darling? Well, they can, uh, of course, always tweet at the network, um, at Join Nerd Party. You know, we'll be more likely to see it there. But if you want to tweet at us individually, I am at NC Public Servant on Twitter. And I am at One Phoenix Theater on Twitter. So. And that's theater with... An R-E. We, we went with the British spelling. So, yeah, let us know what you think. Meanwhile... Darling, yes, let's Bob. see what's going on in the TARDIS library. Let's do it. All right, so tell us the episode we watched. Yes, darling, we're going to be talking about The Face of Evil, which first premiered... 1st of January, 1977. Happy born. New Year! My brother was born. Um, and so, it's a fourth Doctor story, and the reason we're talking about it is because as we're talking about companions who might make good Doctors, I thought we should talk about an introduction of a companion, and that is the fourth Doctor's second companion, Leela. Leela. So, what'd you think of this warrior princess? I I, I think that you probably ought not do that again. Um, yeah, I, I liked Leela. Um, she's one of the few non-human companions. Well, she's human. Remember, it's the Survey Oh, yes, team. of course. They are the descendants but non-earth-based. of... But non-Earth-based. Right, right. Not Earth-based. But no, I thought she was clever and rebellious and interesting to watch. I enjoyed that episode. 
I, I like <laughs> Leela. Do we need I, to do the synopsis of the sure, episode? You're right. I, well, we're, uh, we're doing your rules, whatever you want to do. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. oh is, is that the excuse? For no, no, no. The... <laughs> well, go ahead. Give us the synopsis. All right. Darling. Here's the synopsis. The doctor arrives on a planet where two tribes, the savage Seva team and the technically brilliant Tesh are at war. He meets Leela, an exile from the Seva team, and discovers that their god of evil is apparently himself. Yes. Dum, dum, dum. I did like the, I mean, I, I caught it quickly, because I think it's meant to be caught quickly, unless you're just down. But, um, <laughs> that, no, I didn't know who the Tesh were, but the survey team, I'm sur- survey team, they were the survey team. Um, now the Tesh one is like, oh, they're the techs. Yes. I thought yeah. that, that was kind of cool. Yeah, it was an interesting look at sort of how Strata. things shift mm-hmm. through generations. Yeah. Um, kind of like very, um, I'm sure it, well, it's been done a million times, but it makes me think of H.G. Wells' Time Machine, where you had the uh, monsters, and you had like all the playful people living in paradise. I really wish you could see this. He's flapping <laughs> his hands around. It's very cute. I actually forget the names, but you know, you sort of had the people living in paradise, and you had the dark monster people. Mm. You know, it's it's obviously used for a lot of class system and stuff. But anyway, yeah, and of course, the Doctor realizes that he, for all intents and purposes, created this war. Yeah. Um, and I really like that because I think that we see the doctor make really difficult decisions over time, you know, throughout, I mean, each doctor has had a certain number of decisions to make, but we don't get to come back and see the effects of it. Right. Um, now, unfortunately, we didn't get to see him make the decisions <laughs> that led up to this. It's all we get is the aftermath and his realization that that he played a pretty heavy part in it. But I like it as an idea. I'd love to see. It's sort of the, to use a stark example, as I'm prone to do, the uh, Space Seed and then Wrath of Khan. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's not true. I do know. I do, I do sort of know what you're talking about. I just don't want to admit it. Yeah. Um. So you have the original episode with Khan in the mm-hmm. '60s, the Space Seed, and then you know at the end Spock's like, "Ah, oh, I wonder about the seed that we spent, we planted on City Alpha, or you know, whatever." And then we, decades later, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, and you get out. to see that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think it's a great way to tell a story mm-hmm. and to realize the effects you have. And it, that would be a great way to uh, get some compassion out of some of our new doctors that we've just crowned. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways, not not to stray from the episode, but like the me, that's a doctor's consequence. Yes. Yep, yeah. That's fair. This is what you did, you know. But anyway, back to the episode. And, and I think she says that, isn't yeah. she? Well, yeah, she's... T- I don't torture something like a vampire, you know, like all these sort of like uh, Anne Rice vampire characters, the tortured immortal. Yes. But anyway. Yeah. Very Anne Rice. If yeah. only she had a southern accent, we'd be in business. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I like Leela because she's dangerous in some way. I mean, she will kill people, like flat out. Like I mean, she did. Yeah. Yeah. She's ace, but like will kill people. Yeah. Until ace the will. doctor finally said, please stop killing people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, because, cause, I mean, you know, the whole, and, you know, there's problematic areas with this, but the whole savage thing, and the fact that, you know, Leela, you know, going from a Sarah Jane, 
and then after her, you're going to a Romana. Very different on the spectrum of sort oh, of. Oh, okay. So Leela comes after Sarah, Sarah Jane. Jane. Yes. Okay. See, yeah. I don't think I knew that. That is a very broad spectrum. Yes. To go from Sarah Jane to Leela and then to, to the Romana. Time lady. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, but but I think you know, and of course, you know, uh, we can we can either talk or not talk about what she's wearing or not wearing. I was going to say <laughs> you talk a lot. It, obviously, in the context of this particular episode, it wasn't disconcerting because, she needs the but well, setting. She, yeah, she fits the setting. All of the tribes people are tribal, and and that works. And so the fact that she's in. You know, something that shows her midriff and, and is cut up to her thigh and seems to be made of some sort of synthetic fur that apparently they manufacture on this uh, yeah. this new planet uh, made sense. But as you say, and have said several times, you know, they hired her so they could put her in skimpy clothing. She's the pre-Amy Amy. I'm going to argue that from a oh, sexy stand- okay. standpoint. I mean, she's All a very right. different personality, a very different character, of course. So. But short skirts, kind of. Yeah. It's one of those things, I like her, and then like, okay, if you're interested in that, I'm not going to complain. But anyway, you know. <laughs> but no, but again, I think that she is, because there's the whole, and yeah, I know this is the only first episode you've seen her, but there's the whole, and this is a good and bad, Eliza do little thing, you know, the doctor's got to Oh, you know. shape her into yeah, civilization. Yeah, which is a little sometimes. But anyway. Yeah, but, 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 problematic in a lot of ways. Yeah, but, it, uh, yeah, the whole savage thing. I said. But anyway, but I, like I said, I think that's the attractiveness of Leela. She can take care of herself in some ways. I mean, she's going to get into trouble a lot because she doesn't understand technology in the world or whatever. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, she knows her core principles. And I mean, she's going to be very black and white about mm-hmm. things. She's, you know, so that gray area that the doctor op- often operates in. Well, to her, it takes some getting used to for her if she ever does it all. But, you know, so I, I think it's an interesting contrast for the Doctor to play with, with that kind of a companion. And how long is she a companion? Oh, don't quote me. I don't know. Oh, right. Okay. I know. So the, the, <laughs> the, the, the too long don't read is you got no idea. I don't know. Okay. All right. Fair enough. And what happens to her? She uh, lives a life on Gallifrey. Yeah. Spoilers. Yep. They they, they send Leela to Gallifrey? Well, the, the, there's a story there and she ends up with some... Time Lord, and there you go. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The, the whole getting rid of companions, or as you know, we've talked about one of the ways is fall in love and go away. Okay. Which, you know, there's sort of a uh, the ladies can have their adventure and then get married and have a household, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so. Fantastic. Yeah, so not, not, that's, I would think, probably the least favorite way. I mean, I don't know, losing memory would be least favorite, but then. Yeah, poor Donna. Falling in love and going away. Susan. Same way. Susan fell in love? And I thought the doctor he, just... Well, he abandoned her because he found someone. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, as long as he knows that her pretty little head is taken exactly. care of by some Technically Rose, man. if you want to argue it. Who did she... The doctor. Uh, yeah, I suppose. But she was kind of gone by then already. Although, I mean, that is ultimately... Yeah, I guess the last time we see her, she's romping around with Dr. Donna. Yeah. And... That was weird. Yeah. I mean, that just whole thing was weird. But, I mean, even the ones who don't start off that way. Of course, Martha, we find out later, is happily married to Ricky Mickey. Mm-hmm. Um, which she is in real life, so great. Good for her. <laughs> but we don't have to marry him off. That's right. And actually, we see Donna's wedding, don't we? Yeah. Though that's uh, losing memory, so that doesn't count. No, I know, but... You know. I mean, technically, Amy fell in love and left, but that was sort of 
the that, whole, that was the a whole really time. long goodbye, though. <laughs> really long goodbye. Um, Sarah Jane, on the other hand, does not. She gets abandoned. Yeah. Off, kicked but, out. But yeah. even when we see her later on, mm-hmm. all the women independent. <laughs> Throw your hands up in the air, That's Sarah okay. Jane. We need to start watching Sarah Jane now. Oh, yeah. We do need to go back to yeah. that. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, we've gone totally off-pissed, as we have a tendency to do, I'm afraid. Um, so, I think that wraps up all the things we want to say about companions, and we shall never speak of them again. <laughs> when do they come up? I know, right? <laughs> There's no reason to. So what are we going to talk about next week, my love? Well, we've alluded to it a little bit, but we're going to kind of spotlight it a little bit. I'm going to talk about the doctor's biggest decisions that he's had to make. Moral dilemmas. You know, often almost every story has something, but we want to talk about the big ones. The ones where... Whether it's the fate of the planet, Earth, or the universe, or whatever, and how, you know, what what are our sort of favorite ones or not favorite ones, and what did that reveal about the Doctor? Sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to do a lot of thinking about this one. That's right. You know I hate to think, darling. That's not true, darling. <laughs> All right, so look for that next week. In the meantime, my darling, you are the most perfect companion for this particular independent doctor. Aw, you make a companion. (laughs) This is BBC Television.